Life Audio. Christian Parent Crazy World with Katherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. I am your host, Katherine Seegers, and in today's episode, we will tackle this critically important question, how can parents relate to Gen Z or her grandparents or pastors or youth leaders or anyone who needs to relate to this generation. I probably don't have to tell you that there is quite a generation gap just between the millennial generation and Gen Z. Those of us who are in Gen X and who are in the baby boomer generation as grandparents have an even greater gap to bridge. So in today's episode, my special guest will share with us five things that parents and grandparents need to know about Gen Z in order for us to truly understand them and relate the truths of the Christian faith to them. Mamas and papas, grandmamas and grandpapas, we need to understand where this generation is coming from if we want to reach them, if we want to disciple them. In today's episode, we will bridge that gap. That's the plan for this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World. So let's get started. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. I have such a special guest for you today. You're in for such a treat. This guy is a heavy hitter in the field of Christian apologetics, which is, of course, the area of study that concentrates on understanding and defending the Christian faith. Jonathan Morrow has been equipping students and parents in biblical worldview, apologetics, and culture for over 16 years and is passionate 
about seeing a new generation build a lasting faith. He holds a master's degree of divinity, a master's degree in philosophy of religion and ethics, and a doctorate degree in worldview and culture from Talbot School of Theology. He is the Director of Cultural Engagement and Student Discipleship at Impact 360 Institute, which you will hear more about in just a little bit. I can't wait for you to hear it. It's so fascinating. And he is an adjunct professor of apologetics at Biola University. He has authored several books, including Welcome to College, Questioning the Bible, 11 Major Challenges to the Bible's Authority, and Is God Just a Human Invention? Mm -hmm. Jonathan and his wife have been married for 20 years, and they live with their three children near Atlanta. That is quite a resume. Jonathan, welcome to the program. I'm so honored to have you on the show. It is wonderful to join you. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, yeah, so we met a couple of months ago at Impact 360. Why don't you tell our audience about the incredible work you guys are doing there? Because it was blowing me away. My husband and I were just in awe of the work you're doing there. Well, thank you so much. We love what we get to do. So my role there is I'm Director of Cultural Engagement and Student Discipleship at Impact 360. We're located about an hour outside of Atlanta, Georgia. We cultivate leaders who follow Jesus. We want to multiply disciples who make disciples, right? And in this post-Christian culture, that's what we do. And so we have a discipleship journey where we've got high school students who come during the summers for our one and two week camps, worldview, apologetics, culture, discipleship, leadership. We have a nine month gap year called our Impact 360 Fellows, where we get to do all sorts of things around leadership, worldview formation biblical studies, kind of personality, kind of gifting. We get, they get to serve cross-culturally. It's a blast. We take on mission trips where we kind of, one of the things that we're deeply passionate about, and we'll get more into this in terms of kind of how we think about discipling the next generation, but we don't just talk about doing stuff. We actually do stuff with them. So we prepare and then we go do. So we're going to learn about, for example, Mormonism as a, as a worldview, and we're going to go engage our Mormon friends with the gospel, because they have very different beliefs about God, the gospel, biblical authority, the Trinity. So we take them to Utah, a month into our fellows, and we do all sorts of things like that, where we go engage different worldviews, people who believe differently, because that's one of the things that this generation desperately needs is to be equipped to actually go and do the things that Jesus said to do. And a lot of times we don't get a chance to practice this. So we do that nine-month gap year, Impact 360 fellows. Then we have students who carry on and after they get commissioned in May, they can apply to be a part of what's called the three initiative. So think about that in terms of three more years of discipleship wherever they're at. So they go to a school around the country, wherever they're at. We disciple them biweekly. We have two retreats in the fall and the spring. We also take them on a, on a missional discipleship experience. So we'll take some to Israel. We'll take them to the UK and London. We'll do all sorts of good stuff to keep them making disciples as they make disciples right where they're at. And so for the rest of the college year to take what they did to their fellows and we'll move them on. And then we also have a two-year residency experience for graduates. So basically students come back here and they serve and they disciple and they lead. And then they also, by the way, get they'll get a master's degree in leadership, but they also get so much more because they get to be in our DNA and our environment here of working with students on a day-to-day -day basis. So from high school to graduate school, we have kind of a ability to kind of track with students to help them kind of develop their faith, own their faith, live it out, multiply, make disciples, and engage this post-Christian culture that we live in. So it's a blast. That's just a snapshot, but we love what we get to do at Impact 360. 
That is amazing. A friend of mine, we we homeschool, and a friend of mine was telling me about it. So I started looking into what you guys do, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is like, well, it's kind of like Disneyland for anybody who likes, you know, apologetics or anything. I just the uh, campus there is absolutely stunning. It's so beautiful. And just the work you guys are doing is incredible. I've got five kids, and I'm not that far away. So I am really <laughs> got my fingers crossed that that's going to work out somewhere along the line for each one of them would be great. So I was so impressed with the work you were doing. So when we got to visit, it was a couple months ago, one of the first things you guys did, and I thought this was so great, was you sat down and helped those of us in our generation. I'm Gen X and you're, you're Gen X as well, right? Yeah. We might have a couple of millennials in the audience, probably not as many, but we do get some baby boomer uh, grandparents listening as well. Mm-hmm. So helping to bridge that gap to understand this generation, because, you know, it's I know every generation has its challenges and there's always a gap. But I, I, I kind of think that there's never been a gap quite like the one we experience right now. And that may be true of future generations as well. But that's where we are. So how can we help to bridge that gap and understand where our kids are coming from and the challenges they're facing in this generation? Yeah, absolutely. So happy to do that. And one of the things that I think is important for us to talk about is the fact, and, and I think you put your your finger on it, is it's not so much that the themes are all that different as previous generations. There are, there are always the questions of identity. There are always questions of those things. But the acceleration and the intensity at which these shifts are occurring and the strength at which they're being formed is new under the sun. Because in the first, so one of the first insights that we like to talk about is this generation are our screenagers. That's just who they are. And sometimes, and this is where, this is where the opportunity and the challenge comes from us because we're not naturally screenagers. We 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 weren't right. digital natives. Now post COVID, everything has shifted a little bit, so everybody's screenagers now in some way, or at least my, migrating over. But one of the things that we have to recognize is is this generation didn't ask for that. They didn't go, hey, you know what? Let me sign up to be the first generation that always has screens around me, where everything is tracked, everything's posted, everything's public. And everything else. And so that's just not our experience. I was just laughing with my wife the other day and kids because, you know, there was a chorus program. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was in chorus in high school. And there's no pictures of it that I can even find. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I was. I, I promise. I but promise I did that. Whereas, whereas they're, they're in this like we have 500 pictures of whatever from every angle. Yeah. And so that's just so that's one of them. So what does that mean? It means that they are accessing information. Um, they're accessing, they don't have to ask us for things that previous generations had mm-hmm. to for input on how to do things. They just YouTube it, right? That's what they do. They figure it out. Yeah, Alexa. Yeah, Alexa, Siri, everybody else. So one of the things I kind of have fun with is, you know, reminding my youngest that's like, you know, it's like, well, Siri, she, I'm like, well, she isn't it. It's, it's a pretty <laughs> program. Like it's just trying to, you know, Siri's helpful, but not a person, Right. So that's one one of the big things is they're being shaped in pretty significant ways around their screens. I know we'll talk more about that, but that should give us compassion, but it also should say, okay, how can I better understand the world? Because they the the speed at which they can access and gain information is unprecedented. I know. It's just it's unprecedented. So that's that's something that's new under the sun. <laughs> like information's not new under the sun, the speed and the intensity. Right. And that's that's something we need to know. Well, it was funny. We were talking right before the show. We <laughs> found out we went to the same high school, right? Which is yeah. crazy. But I remember back at Farragut High School, that was in Knoxville, Tennessee, having to go when I needed information. You had to go to the card catalog. You remember those? 
Oh, yeah. Remember those, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And kids today wouldn't even know what to do with a card catalog. And you had to go and look up this information. Then you went to this wonderful little section of the library where they might have quite a few books on that topic. And then you had to sift through all of them. You know, you couldn't do keyword searches or anything like that. Whereas now, like you said, it's at the tip of your tongue. My kids, we homeschool. So, you know, I have to make sure they're not asking Alexa to help them with their math problems because she, you know, the answer's right there. The answer for so many things is right there. And yet... In a lot of ways, perhaps this generation is more confused than ever mm-hmm. about like you we were talking about identity issues because they're they've got all of the information they need. And yet at the heart of it, there's such, you know, confusion and they're never alone. They're always being chronicled. So definitely screenagers. That's one of the big things that we need to understand and sympathize with as parents looking at this next generation. What else do we need to be considering? Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Yeah, so screenagers, that means they've never had a time without it, and they never will. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, we've got to think about how we do digital discipleship in today's world. That's a further conversation. Yes. But the second thing you got to know if you're going to work with the next generation is Gen Z is thoroughly post-Christian mm-hmm. as from a worldview perspective. And here's what that means. Now, when we did this study in Impact 360, we partnered with the Barna Group, my good friend David Kenneman, and we did a deep dive on all these things. They've been tracking these things for 25 years, the same questions. And what they found was, is that Gen Z has a 4% worldview, biblical worldview, right? Um, in terms of kind of how that relates to previous generations mm-hmm. and what that looks like. So boomers had a 10% worldview, 7% Gen X and 6% millennials. And so 4% is Gen Z. So what does that do? It, it removes any illusion that we don't inhabit a post-Christian culture. And therefore, see, there's a world we want and there's a world that is, and they're not the same world. I, I wish that the world wasn't what it is sometimes because I, I don't want to have to have certain conversations with my kids that early about things that are challenging or difficult. But we can't put our heads in the sand and, and pretend that these things aren't going on mm-hmm. around us. And so 
that means all of the peers of our of our kids, they don't share the same assumptions about God and truth mm-hmm. and morality and knowledge and even authority or any of those things, sexuality, gender, you pick any category, they're not from a Christian worldview. Now, America has never been deeply Christian in that sense, but it has been Christianized, meaning there were kind of echoes of worldview strands that kind of lingered for a while, but all of that is kind of peeling away quickly and it's going, it's being covered up by secularism at a pretty fast clip right now. Mm-hmm. So that means the default setting for this generation is post-Christian. Now, that, the, the benefit of that is, is a lot of Gen Z, they have no context for Christianity. Mm-hmm. They don't have a, whereas millennials in some ways became disillusioned with it and walked away from it and were critical from it. Mm-hmm. Gen Z's like, why would I go to church again? Mm-hmm. What's the point of Christianity? Tell like, So we, we get to frame it, but it also means that we need, the way we train students and equip students and disciple students needs to change because- mm-hmm. Business as usual will not work in a post-Christian mm-hmm. culture. That will chew kids up and spit them out. They're being formed way too quickly. So a, a traditional drop your kid off a youth group and feel like that's covering it or just even send them to a Christian school right. and pretend that's covered it. Or even homeschooling, like we homeschool some our kids all yeah. through and different elements of Christian school and all that. Intentional formation is the key, regardless of what kind of schooling background that you kind of want to pursue with your kids because, look, if we're not intentionally helping them understand that truth exists and then you could know it, Mm -hmm. they're going to become Christian relativists. They're going to hear a sermon and they're going to think, well, maybe I was raised in the South or maybe I was raised in the church. And that's what I believe is true for me as a Christian. And it just goes in that lens. Mm -hmm. And unless you equip them out of it, I always default. I assume my audience of students is Christian relativists. Oh, wow. Regardless of their background. I start that. That's good. Cause, yeah. So that's that's the second thing. So worldview-wise, you can't count on the same assumptions. Mm-hmm. And and that and that's not their fault. That's just the world that they've grown up in. Same way with screens. And so right. I think it's important, especially as parents and as adults, sometimes we can go, we can kind of get frustrated with the next generation. I love Gen Z. They've got a ton of potential. I love working with them. But a lot of them, they've just not been equipped. And they didn't ask for the world that they grew up in any more than we asked for the world that we grew up in. Right. And so sometimes we go, man, I wish they were more motivated. Man, I wish they was like, well, perhaps. I'm sure I had my issues too. (laughs) But we've got to make sure we're aiming at the right things that are shaping this generation. And those are two big ones, screens and worldview formation. Oh, yes. We, I did a, oh, goodness, I think it was a four-part series early on on worldview. And you're absolutely right. And I, I like that assumption that we need to have, even with Christians that they are relativists and that, you know, truth is relative and circumstantial and very subjective to people. And kids just need to, you know, of course, we've talked about that a lot in our home. We homeschool, but that's that's a situation that we're constantly coming up against in their peer circles, uh, you know, at church or wherever, even, you know. That's where, you know, you can't just drop them off. You can't just expect that we actually ended up leaving a church recently because we really wanted to be focusing more on truth and discipleship. And it was a bit too attractional in nature for us. And so that was that was a key component of our discipleship there. So I, I love, yeah, worldview is right up my alley in terms of really talking about where the kids are coming from and that they don't have that, you know, when you think about it, what you were talking about, 10%, that's not I, you know, with the baby boomer mm-hmm. generation. Right. With a biblical worldview, because there's all sorts of people that can wear a Christian label. That doesn't mean that they're actually going to Scripture as a foundation for 
the formation of their beliefs and the way they look at the world. So that has to and not to be critical of that, but to be aware of that, understanding that's where they're coming from. And I'll, the other thing you mentioned was really interesting. Millennials were somewhat disillusioned with the faith, whereas uh, you almost have we wiped the slate clean a little bit with Gen X and I'm sorry, Gen Z and reintroducing them to ideas that they've never really even considered and had the time to be disillusioned with. I do. I, th- I think the way you see Gen Z and millennials consume media mm-hmm. is different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why in some ways, TikTok, which is in so many ways a, a, just a disaster, but that's where everybody is at. Mm-hmm. But that's why you see a lot of these deconstruction stories. A lot of those things are happening on TikTok, but they're filtering down. And so you're seeing a lot of Gen Z who's never experienced these things before. And so they're they're having their categories set. So it is an opportunity for us to go, hey, has, has anyone ever taken the time to show you what Christianity actually is or what Jesus said and taught? Have you, have you ever considered that? Mm-hmm. And then you invite them in. And so so that's that's the opportunity uh, that we're in. But it is very much a uh, you're, if you throw out a Bible verse, people are like, yeah, I don't know where that is or who are these people? I don't I don't know who that is, you know. And again, we, we could get frustrated mm-hmm. or we could go, you know what? Hey, you know, it's pretty amazing. God's been at work for a very long time. I actually think God is real and exists. I think there's a good reasons for that. But these people that are recording the history, have you ever read anything about them? And you just, there's a way to draw people in to what's going on that I think sets up some pretty cool opportunities for us, even though there are real challenges. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the other things that yeah. we need to be very mindful of with this next generation as Gen Xers? Yes, for sure. I think I think one thing that we have to understand is that safe spaces are normal mm-hmm. uh, for this generation. Now, the validity of that and how we define our terms, but they have talked about safe spaces. I need to feel safe and in these environments, and I need to be able to not be um, offended or challenged in some ways. Or I, if the problem that they're being raised with, and I think, and, and this kind of goes back to something we were talking about at the very beginning. Education is not about testing well. It's about living well. That's why it's not about what information I can access through Alexa or Siri or a smartphone or anything else like that. And so what's happening is students and kids are not being challenged with other ideas. They're being protected from them. So we bubble wrap them in terms of ideas. Now I'm going to speak specifically to Christians in regard to this one. Sometimes this goes back to our distinction. There's the world it is, and there's the world we want, and they're not the same world. If we prepare students for a world that's never going to challenge their beliefs, if we bubble wrap them, we're not doing them any favors. If every youth environment, every next-gen environment is basically Disneyland, in entertainment-minded kind of you know comfort and all of that, there's never challenge, and there's never any growth without challenge. And so... Safe spaces are normal, so what do we have to do? We have to learn how and when to appropriately introduce contrary ideas, especially for homeschooling, Christian school. It's going to go to a Christian school and never encounter really other ideas that are challenging and persuasive. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. And then they think they know, and then they get out and they don't know. Because one of the things we do in Matthew 60, I've done this for years and years, We'll learn about Islam as a worldview, and then we'll take them to the largest mosque in Georgia, and then they get to observe prayers. Yeah. They get to ask the imam questions. That's awesome. Because it's very different talking to someone who believes something very different than you do. Mm -hmm. And then you have to wrestle with that and own that and think about it in a different way. And you actually have to practice it. So we need to, in many ways, as a result of that uh, generational shift, introduce more challenge Mm -hmm. and take off some of the bubble wrap at the appropriate times. Like 
we can't give them helmets and bubble wrap till they're till they're 30. <laughs> Intellectually speaking, in fact, as a dad and as, as someone who cares about the next generation, I want to be the one who introduces the bad ideas yeah. to my kids and then help at the appropriate time in the appropriate way and then show them, hey, what do you think about that? And then also, hey, by the way, Christians have thought a lot about these things. And here's a couple of ways that we might respond to that or engage that. And so you're basically building resilience and building intellectual and spiritual muscle by by growth and challenge. Yeah, you have to have that resistance. It's absolutely necessary. You know, you've been referring to the the research that Barna did. And when we were there at Impact 360, you gave us a couple of volumes, a uh, really great guide. It's uh, called Gen Z, The Culture, Beliefs and Motivations, Shaping the Next Generation. These books are awesome. And you're going through... Uh, a I'll get a link for my listeners where they could potentially access that through you guys because ordering it on Amazon is quite expensive. These are awesome books. And one of the things I remember that they said in here is that we're preparing our kids too often to be disciples in Jerusalem, but we need to be preparing them to be disciples in Babylon. We are living, like you said, in post-Christian culture. It's a very lost culture. And our kids need to be prepared and challenged, even in the Christian communities, because like you're saying, we homeschool. And so what too often happens is they get the opposite end of it. They're not really being challenged with secular ideas. Sometimes those ideas are presented in a way that it almost makes them seem intellectually inferior. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter just came to me yesterday. She called me on the phone. She was at Books A Million. And she's like, Mom, they had these really cool books here. Six dollars. Um, she wanted to start reading some Rousseau because she had read about Rousseau. But he was a French philosopher, kind of at the heart of the French Revolution, very different revolution than the American one. We've talked about that a bit on this show. But she wanted to read Rousseau in his own words. And I'm like, yes. And it's a little frustrating that sometimes in our closed off Christian circles that we're not really we need to go to the source. We need to exchange with, you know, Hawkins and Dickens and some of the new ones and then go back and look at, you know, all of these philosophers, older philosophers that shaped because the ideas shape the world. And so uh, too often in Christian circles, we do the opposite thing. We try to, you know, hunker down and just not really engage with the ideas. And we need to talk about these ideas. We don't need to ostracize ourselves from them. So I'm proud. We're at, That's on our my bucket list. And my daughter and I are going to read it together. And we're going to have some really good conversations and work through his ideas and see exactly, you know, OK, where did that lead in history? And how did that turn yeah. out? <laughs> So bridging that gap in between these generations. So what else do we need to be concerned about? Yeah, so we need to be aware, and those are really great insights. So glad you're doing that with your daughter. That sounds awesome. The But the one of the things, if safe spaces are everywhere, and almost paradoxically, real safety is a myth for this generation because they've grown up in a pretty dangerous world, mm-hmm. right? Every Gen Z oh, yeah. is basically all about 9-11 on. So they've never known a time without global terrorism. They've never known a time without literally school shootings in the news all the time. They, there's a lot of so even though they want intellectually or emotionally safe spaces, one of the things is is they've grown up in a world that you know it's disconcerting. Like there's there's war, there is terrorism, there is all of these things happening, not just far far away, but but next door, you know, or we know these. So there's realities to that in in which they've grown up in kind of have been shaped by. And so mm-hmm. said so that we need to be mindful of that. And, and one of the second studies that we did, Gen Z volume two, which is the, the teal book, mm-hmm. which is there's the orange one and there's the teal one. 
And this one's really on caring for souls, caring for young souls and cultivating resilience. And a lot of that deals with a lot of the emotional issues that they're they're having to navigate right now mm. because they're isolated, they're lonely, there's there's a lack of purpose in this generation. And there's also there's also more fear in some ways too. So mm-hmm. so it kind of tempers that optimism. In some ways, millennials were just super optimistic and idealistic. They're gonna take over the world, they're gonna be, you know, they're they're gonna start this organization and everything's going to be better tomorrow. And, some, and, and there's a lot about idealism, which is a beautiful thing. And, and that's our millennials friends do that well. But Gen Z, in many ways, is going to be more realist and pragmatic because they've they've grown up in a financially insecure world. They've grown up in a there's stuff going on around them. Those things just shape them. So in very many ways, they're going to be more pragmatic and realistic than than their millennial older brothers and sisters. Uncles. Mm. So I think that's something else we need to pay attention to as well. Yeah, they don't they don't feel safe. You know, my daughter's doing her senior thesis in high school on school shootings. And, you know, how are we responding to that? And what are we doing? What You know, and there's such, you know, so much information out there for them to they hear about stuff like this 24 seven. It's not that things didn't happen when we were younger but i mean like i just did recently did a two-part series on teen suicide 20 young people die every single day from teen suicide and they interviewed a young woman who committed suicide or tried to attempted to commit suicide when she was 16 and miraculously survived her story is incredible but that's what these kids are facing they get so overwhelmed and, and one thing that was so shocking 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 from that interview i also was able to interview jennifer ellers who is a christian counselor with the american association of christian counselors and the numbers in younger kids ages 6 to 12 is skyrocketing i mean this is not just you know we just think that it's not it's happening with teens and it's very very impulsive with younger kids so they don't feel safe and that's one just neon flashing sign to be pointing them to where they can find safety, where they can find security, where they do go with their fears, because nothing they find in this world is going to satisfy them with that. And, and, and the world has always been unsafe. Our <laughs> The key figure in our faith was crucified. <laughs> yes. And then I'm sorry, that's not funny at all. But, you know, that's that's the center mm-hmm. of our faith. And all of the disciples were murdered except one. And so we have to keep that front and center in our mindset and help our kids to come process that, that they do live in an unsafe world. And how how do we deal with that? Yeah, for sure. What else do we have in our closing moments here? Um, yeah, yeah. And like you were saying, just before we leave that point fully, like the anxiety, depression, you know, all those things fuel that. They're wrapped up in the screens mm-hmm. and, the, and all those things are kind of a a feedback loop. So those are just things that we need to be mindful of as we parent and lead and coach and mentor them. Uh, but one of, one of the cool opportunities, especially around this next generation, is they're going to be end up being the most racially and ethnically diverse generation in human history, which yes, uh, in American history from the statistics. And, and that's going to create a cool opportunity because one of the cool things that you see in scripture is is ethnicity is important. It's not ultimate. That's where the, the secular social justice narrative goes off the rails in so many ways. Right. Because God tells the beautiful story of ethnicity throughout Scripture. Mm-hmm. One race, the human race, but many ethnicities in terms right. of different cultures and all that. And nationalities. Yeah. And so that's a really cool way to see the gospel shine forth in all those ways, not in a secular kind of way that is talked about in so many ways today, then in an unhelpful way that pits mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff against each other that doesn't need to be. 
But I think that's a really cool thing about this generation is they're, they're going to see past some things and maybe even some blind spots that culturally were there 30, 40 years ago. And that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So the opportunity, though, is also the challenge because everybody wants, in the name of diversity, to bring everything together. And so the question is, well, are, what, is, what does diversity mean? We always need to define our terms. Mm-hmm. What kind of diversity are we talking about? You know, people are like, well, using terms like sexual minorities to talk about LGBTQ+, plus, all that kind of stuff. That's not what scripture would talk about as a good thing and God's good design, right? And so what do we mean by diverse? And so the challenge for this generation is they're going to go, yeah, I'm all in for diversity. But what then they're going to find is there's a whole train with kind of all these other cars that come with it, all these ideologies, all these other, you know, all these other, you know, critical race theory, all the things will will start coming in in the name of diversity. And that's not going to be a good thing. So Mm -hmm. that's where they need to be deeply biblical and search the scriptures about what the Bible actually says about those things. Mm -hmm. And then also they get a chance to engage in ways that maybe previous generations haven't, so long as they don't fall victim to kind of the secular social justice narrative, which is it's never going to be big enough to solve those issues. Mm-mm. At best, it might point out some of the issues. Mm-hmm. And then that's that's really a whole different topic, I'm sure, with, we could talk about another time. How we could unpack that. I'm going to resist going into that. <laughs> but I know, and that's such enticing fruit there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, I, I feel like our culture just wants to homogenize everything and erase a lot of the difference in certain ways, particularly when it comes to gender and sexuality. We want to erase all of our differences and then just, you know, heighten in, uh, all of our differences when it comes to, to race. God celebrates diversity. God celebrates our distinctions. He even celebrates nationality. One thing that, you know, we learn is that in the new world and the new earth, Christ rules the nations. Well, if he's ruling the nations, then there is such a thing as a proper nationality and nationalism. You know, obviously there's a there's an improper way to celebrate that, but there must be a proper way if that's what's going to be in the new heaven and the new earth. And so God celebrates those distinctions and those beautiful aspects of our culture. And we need to not erase those. We need to celebrate those and recognize the beauty that our diversity brings into humanity and to history and into our faith. And yeah, we do obviously have obstacles to overcome, many of them. But ultimately, those obstacles, like you said, we're never going to find those answers and that social justice narrative that we're being that's being pushed out there. It, it seems to be dividing us more and more. I'm sorry. I went for the enticing fruit, even though uh, <laughs> we're going to. No, it's important. It's, 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 there's a lot going. Oh, I know <laughs> there is. Okay. So anything uh, last before we wrap up this episode, I'm, um, I think, was there another aspect that you wanted to touch on before we go to, we're going to have another episode with you in just a little bit, which I'm so excited. Uh, we're going to be talking about cultural waves, but is there anything else you wanted to share f- about this generation and relating to this generation? Yeah, I think here's what I would kind of maybe wrap this time with Mm -hmm. is I think we want to make sure that we're preparing students to follow Jesus in the culture that God has placed them in. So at the end of Acts 17, we know it's not an accident that God determines the time and the places and the seasons. And so we want to do our best to understand what's going on, but also recognize, and this this is the hopeful piece of this. Look, every generation of Christ followers has faced the intersection of faith and culture. This is just our turn. Mm-hmm. We don't get to pick the challenges. 
everyone from Augustine to Calvin to Wesley to Corey Ten Boom to mm-hmm. Frederick Douglass to C.S. Lewis, you pick your generation. There were things that were challenges and there were things that opportunities and the culture just was leading in those different directions. In our generation, there's just going to be certain ones we need to be mindful of. And so we don't need to be fearful. We need to be faithful in the process and lean into what God has for us during this time. So again, do I wish some things were different culturally? Yeah, absolutely. But this generation also, because of how they're being formed and because of those differences, they're going to be able to solve problems and innovate in ways that our generation wouldn't. And it's going to be fun to see what those will be. But our responsibility is to make sure they're doing that from a deeply Christian biblical worldview so that that can be translated to whatever challenge and opportunity they face as they grow up and take over and lead and disciple the next generation. So that that gives me hope, but it also is our opportunity ahead of us. Right. It's our it's our homework list. You know, I love the way that you the lens that you're looking through, I think too often, particularly, you know, with my my parents generation and and. A lot of us Gen X parents, we, we look at this and we're like, what do we do? We're kind of scared. We're, we become fearful where our culture is going. And we don't need to approach it that way. We don't need to approach it with fear. We need to approach it in faith, recognizing the same word that Mordecai gave to Ruth, Esther. I'm sorry, I'm getting my stories mixed up, you know, that we were born for such a time as this. And so we're kids. And so that we have the answers that this generation needs. And we have the ability to conquer the mountains that they have to climb and that we're there alongside them as their parents, as their chief guide and the greatest influencers in their lives to help bring them to that place where they can meet the challenges of their generation. So I thank you for helping to equip us to do that today. Jonathan, can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about the work of Impact 360 and also your personal writing and your ministry? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you can find everything about Impact 360 at impact360.org. Impact360.org, we have everything from podcasts to videos to summer experiences, gap year, the fellows, the whole thing. Impact360.org. And then my website is jonathanmorrow.org. Mm-hmm. Jonathanmorrow.org. That's where you can find a lot of my books and resources and articles and an online course for parents that I created called Five Things Every Teenager Needs to Build a Lasting Faith. So maybe that's helpful to your audience as well. You can find that at jonathanmorrow.org. So yeah, happy to help be on this journey with you in any way I can. Oh, that is awesome. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Your opt-in, which is what you get for signing up for your website, was awesome. I printed that out. I've got it here. The Case for Christianity in Four Words. If you want that, go and sign up at jonathanmorrow.org. It's so great, so succinct, so much information packed in a short read. I, you know, I just can't thank you enough for joining us today and helping to equip uh, us old parents and grandparents to bridge the gap to Gen Z. Uh, you've been amazing. So amazing. We're going to hold you over. We're going to, uh, one of the other things you talked about when I was at Impact 360 was the the specific waves that are coming against this next generation, the cultural waves that they need to be aware of and be equipped to, to stand firm in the midst of those waves. So we're going to be talking about that and we'll be able to dig into your expertise in the areas of philosophy and ethics, worldview, and culture. You are in for a rare treat with this next episode, Mamas and Poppies. You don't want to miss that one. And a quick review of those five things that us parents and grandparents need to understand about Gen Z. They are screenagers. There's never been a time when this generation didn't have a screen around them. Number two, their worldview is post Christian, which presents some unique challenges, but also some unique opportunities. Number three, safe spaces 
are normal to them. They aren't normal to us, but they are normal to them. Number four, real safety, however, is a myth. Yep, doesn't exist, and we can use that reality to point them to a greater safety or refuge in Christ. And finally, number five, they are very diverse, which is beautiful. It's a beautiful reality that this generation celebrates diverse cultures and diverse ethnicities, diverse beliefs, which are easily accessible, which means we need to know what we believe as Christians and why we believe it. It's not going to make sense to this next generation if we don't understand it ourselves. Understanding these five aspects about Gen Z will help us reach this generation with the truth of the Christian worldview. And so will understanding the specific challenges facing our kids from this culture. They are different than the challenges we faced, moms and dads. Jonathan is going to dive deep into his area of expertise with his doctorate in worldview and culture to help us understand those challenges in the next episode. Yep, you don't want to miss that one. It will blow your mind. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and following me on Facebook and Instagram? Oh, oh, and maybe you could say that Christian Parent Crazy World is the best podcast you've ever heard in your entire life. uh, Just a thought. Uh, And be sure to check out my website, which is katherinesegers.com. That's Catherine with a C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hard-working pilot get emotional before his flight. 
To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.